Hi everyone, my name is Project Gill and welcome to the AWARE panel. As you don't know, the AWARE panel is going to talk about loads of issues that we face in today's society and things that our guest wants to bring up. And now, we turn into a podcast. If you didn't know before, we were running off Instagram lives every Thursday at 3pm. But now, we turned into a podcast. So, you can hear this every Thursdays and episodes will come out every Thursday at 3pm. So, stay tuned. In this episode, we have Left My Skin, who is a writer and podcaster, which is voiceover works ranges from character pieces, advertising and corporate voiceovers to podcasting, ASMR and radio play. He has recently written content and articles for WrestleTalk magazine, Ultimate Quality con- Content and wrestling website the Indie Corner. He has also done research work for popular online video podcast series OSW Review. He talks about his own disease, Crohn's disease and how lockdown has infected that as being a vulnerable person and a high risk group for the coronavirus. I think this is really inspirational and people who are vulnerable to the disease can listen to tips that he had experienced during lockdown and the upcoming lockdown as well so let's just get into the episode guys hi everyone and welcome to the 23rd episode of the aware panel today we have lev who wants to talk about his own experiences with Crohn's disease and living through the covid19 pandemic as a vulnerable individual So Lev, do you want to introduce yourself in a bit more detail? Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name's Lev. I'm a writer and a voiceover artist, and I also stream on Twitch. And I have been suffering from Crohn's disease for about five years, but I've only been diagnosed with it for three. So it took a while to get a full diagnosis. Okay, great. So to anyone who doesn't know what Crohn's disease is, can you explain to the audience what exactly is Crohn's disease and how does it impact your daily life? Yeah, I mean... Like a lot of other chronic conditions, Crohn's disease, unfortunately, there's no known cure for it. It's just a lifelong condition that once you develop it, you have to live with. It's an autoimmune disease, so your body effectively attacks itself constantly. It's it's in the family of inflammatory bowel diseases, but it's one of the more severe ones compared to diverticulitis or colitis. So instead of colitis kind of really focuses on a very specific part of the body, whereas Crohn's disease can affect your entire digestive tract. So that's from your lips, your mouth, your tongue, right the way through your body to the other end. And it's basically nobody knows what causes Crohn's disease It could be a variety of different factors. Some people have suggested it's down to diet. Some people have said it's down to genetics. Some people have said it's down to stress. Nobody knows for certain what is behind the cause of Crohn's disease. We do know that it's being diagnosed more and more these days and being understood more, but we still don't fully know what causes Crohn's disease in individual cases. From my own perspective, I believe it's probably, for me, it was down to stress and probably a combination of other factors as well. But the day-to-day things that you have to deal with with Crohn's disease in kind of the basic stuff that you never get rid of and it's probably the case with any chronic condition is you're always exhausted because with Crohn's disease your your body doesn't absorb the nutrients it should do from food you're maybe only absorbing a half of the nutrients or, or a third or, or something like that so immediately you don't have the energy you need to get through a normal day. And then you've got the fact that your body is attacking itself constantly as well, which also tires you out. Other elements that come into play are things like disturbed sleep, 
because of the gastrointestinal tract issues. Weight loss is a big problem with Crohn's disease because obviously, again, you're not absorbing the nutrients and you're so tired. The weight will just disappear from your body randomly and you have to be put on steroids to maintain a weight. I, I know initially when I eventually got a diagnosis with Crohn's disease, I'd gone from 88 kilograms down to 70. So I'd lost a significant amount of my body weight. Other factors that are involved in it, slightly rarer ones are things like um, it can affect your vision because gastrointestinal issues can be linked to vision issues um, and then there's the really quite horrible gross things that you get with other medical conditions like hemorrhoids you can get really quite painful anal fissures you have usually inside your internal organs there's a lot of polyps and cysts and scarring which can produce a lot of blood and unfortunately you do end up passing that blood in your stool so you are constantly losing blood which can lead to iron deficiencies and vitamin D deficiencies and things like that. And I mean, the list of ailments that you get as a result of Crohn's disease are very, very long. Even things down to hair loss, because obviously you're not absorbing the nutrients, so therefore your hair will just start to fall out and things like that. And your nails get brittle and your skin goes very, very thin and your muscle mass and bone density goes down and lots of different things can affect you. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I would say the majority of people have to cope with exhaustion more than anything else and also pain. A lot of people with Crohn's disease suffer chronic, constant stomach pains, crippling, the kind of pain you get, how I can describe it to someone who doesn't have Crohn's disease. If you've ever been violently sick, that moment just before you're sick where your stomach twists itself very violently and you feel a, a clenching in your lower muscle area, that's pretty much how Crohn's disease pain can feel. So it's it's a very large group of symptoms which can affect you in various different ways. And I think the one thing as someone who has Crohn's disease is you learn to adapt your life around your condition and try and make it as normal as possible. But you kind of you're always working at 75% normal human capacity, really, for the rest of your life. I'm sorry that you have to face with that, because that it's really sad to hear, like, like being diagnosed with that, like what age were you diagnosed with Crohn's disease? Well, this is the thing. It's it's kind of difficult to pinpoint when exactly I caught it. I was in my 30s, which is kind of typical for when people seem to develop Crohn's disease. It can be kind of a window between mid-20s to early 40s. I mean, people get it from birth. Some people get it when they're children, some people when they're teens, but mine seemed to develop when you know, life was going quite well for me on, on a professional basis. I had a lot of stress in my life, but I was in my mid-30s. I was working a very good high-flying design job, and I was enjoying my life living in the south of England. And then all of a sudden, I, I started to get quite painful stomach issues, and then I started to lose weight. And I, I started to pass blood and my hair started falling out. And for a while, because it takes the longest time to diagnose these things, you have to go through various procedures. For a while, myself and my then girlfriend, who's now my wife, we thought I might have had cancer. And that's a very scary thing to think about when you're in your, your mid-30s. But I, I eventually found out that I didn't have cancer. I had a lifelong condition that could potentially lead to cancer quicker than it would normally appear in humans. But yeah, it's it, it came on quite suddenly. 
and it progressed very, very quickly, and it wasn't diagnosed for two years. So for two years of my life, I was very, very unwell. Oh, my God. Like, it's scary to have even have the reality of thinking you had cancer. Like, I'd suffered from cancer myself, so I exactly know how you feel, the fears of having cancer. And when I was actually diagnosed, I was only 17 at the time, so I was really young. And I managed to overcome it because it was only early stages. They were able to take it off without needing chemo or radiotherapy or anything like that, which was great. And it is a scary thing. Like, with you, you like, the disease could lead on to cancer. You have that mindset in your head that it could happen one day and you would never know. I know. I mean, in, in some ways, it, it, it kind of it made me refocus my life around very specific things. I've always been a very pragmatic person anyway. I've been through a lot of things in my life and and overcome issues and and problems and things like that. But when you are told that, you know, there is a an incredibly high chance that you're going to end up with some form of cancer when you, you know, you're in your 60s or something like that, then it, it really does quite focus you on what is important in life. And certainly you realize that working, a career, earning money, that becomes less important. And really the balance of your life changes because you have to, because this thing physically slows you down. Um, there's a thing in, in the Crohn's community, or Crohn's community, it's in the autoimmune disease community called spoons. And people who have chronic long-term autoimmune conditions tend to use the phrase spoons when they uh, talk about their energy levels. And it goes back to a woman who coined the idea when she was talking to a friend who they were in a cafe and she was trying to explain lupus to a friend of hers. And her friend didn't understand how she was always so tired and why she couldn't just get on with things. And the woman um, gathered all of the spoons on the caf- uh, on the tables around her in the cafe and she got about 20 spoons and she handed them to her friend. And she said, here you go, you now have lupus this is your energy level for the day. And she said, right, tell me about your day. And she said, well, I I guess I'd wake up and I'd have a shower and I'd fix breakfast for myself and my husband and my kids. And she's like, right, okay, that's like, that's three spoons. Give me three of those spoons back. And then the woman was like, right, okay, so I guess I'd, I'd drive to work and I'd have the first meeting of the day and I'd get on with a few bits. And she's like, right, that's five spoons. Give me those back. And then the woman was went on and said, you know, I'd, I'd have more meetings and then lunch. And, and after a few more minutes of this, she'd run out of spoons. And she said, well, there you go. You've got no energy left. And she's like, yeah, but I've still got to leave work. I've got to go home. I've got to take the dog for a walk. I've got to go and see my family. I've got to cook for my family. I've got to entertain the kids. I've got to spend time with my husband. She was like, you you, you can't do that. You have no energy left. So what you have to do is at the start of the day, you have to go very, very carefully, plan your day very carefully. You have to have coping mechanisms in place where if you have issues, you can deal with them medically or with treatment, or you can sleep or you can eat. And really your energy levels are so limited. It kind of halts your life. And that's what I found. I just reshaped my life around the fact that I had to deal with this thing. Oh yeah. It's just really scary to think about it even like going through such a thing. And with that lady as well, like to her for doing whatever she can to do anything but it's really scary so my next question is um talking about the coronavirus pandemic so obviously it's been stated your your illness has been stated as a high risk for coronavirus and how so what, how does that feel for you knowing that you're a vulnerable person 
Well, I should I should kind of point out why I'm considered vulnerable. So the main treatment for Crohn's disease, and it is only a managing treatment, is you are put on immunosuppressants. So you're put on very high doses of various medications that reduce your immune system so that it's not constantly attacking your body. So instead of having a full human immune system that's trying to destroy my body from the inside, I have very little immune system, but I'm able to kind of function somewhat on a day-to-day basis without pain and illness and sickness and vomiting and all the things that come along with digestive problems. Of course, the upshot of that means I have no immune system. So if I were to go out in public, I'm very susceptible to things like colds and flus and pretty much anything, even to the point where I'm not really allowed to be out in the sun for more than 20 minutes because I'm at very high risk of skin cancer as a result of my immunosuppressants. So really, I got the message through, as a lot of people will have done in March, to shield at home. And we were part of the shielding group and the government was going to send us boxes of food. And if we could send someone that we love to the shop, but they had to be careful. And initially that was my wife. And obviously her life changed as well because she couldn't work in an office anymore. She had to work from home. Fortunately, her employers were fantastic and they've been very supportive and she's been working from home ever since. But it's quite an adjustment for someone who is used to working in an office environment as opposed to me who just always works from home. So she would have to go out and do things like get the shopping and you know, fill up the car with fuel. And when there's a, a, a virus around in the early days, it was it was very, very intimidating. And of course, I couldn't help her. I was told to stay in the house or the back garden. And that was it. I wasn't allowed to leave the house until I guess it was, I can't remember when the first lockdown was lifted, but I think it was June or July. So for two months, I was kind of in my house. But the thing is, because I already had this lifestyle where I had reinvented myself as a writer and a voiceover artist and a commentator and a streamer. All of my work life was pretty much spent at home anyway. You know, I'd set up my computer so that I could do all the things I needed to do from my home office in the third bedroom. So staying at home and being careful about my life and trying not to catch anything or do anything. It's it's not a massive upheaval for me because I kind of already had to do that. So I was shielding before it was a requirement. Uh, the only thing obviously I miss is like going out to restaurants and seeing friends and going out for days out in museums and going to the cinema and seeing my family more often than I get to at the moment because my family live in North Wales and um, my, my wife's family live in Bristol. So You know, it's very difficult to travel between two countries that have different rules. So it has been trying, but I feel because of the way I set my life up years ago, because of Crohn's disease, I was almost ready for some sort of pandemic to strike because I was in a position to carry on working and living my life. And my focus really since the lockdown has been helping my wife adjust more than anything because she is not used to working from home. She's a very social person. Um, She likes the office environment. She gets on really well with the people she works with. And she really missed that. And of course, you know, not being able to see her family as often, that's been trying as well. But yeah, it, it has been difficult, but I feel that because I was already essentially doing it, the transition for me has been far easier. Yeah, like it's crazy to think like with the whole lockdown situation, now we're going into a second lockdown too. Like that's really scary to think as well because 
we're just like trying our best to get this virus down and over time it's just not been the best and with the second lockdown and it's a bit more ease they're telling people not to shield anymore which is a big change for you as well because but would you would you want to still stay to be shielded i think i think the onus is really on the individual at this point, I think you come to a stage where you know yourself far better than the government advice will ever be able to kind of tell you. So I, I know a lot of people have been very critical of the changes that have been introduced by the government, and I have as well. Certainly some of them are very unclear. But the general idea of trying to protect people has sometimes been been lost because they anticipated people to behave perfectly and that's never going to happen in a, a free and democratic society you're always going to get people who dissent who, who do their own thing and and that's fine that's part of life but all you can do in that situation instead of getting frustrated with the people around you is you can do your best to protect yourself and your family so you know you wear a mask you socially distance you wash your hands regularly you're you're careful who you're interactive and how you interact with them and follow the guidelines as closely as possible and while it is extremely frustrating a month lockdown for me or, or less than a month or whatever it might be it, it's no great deal because again like i was saying before i could spend weeks in my house and maybe only go out three or four times whether that's through chronic illness or being unwell or just you know being careful so i think an element of the lockdowns is thankfully as a country and and as a species as human human beings we're very very adaptable and it's not something that people give themselves enough credit for so i feel that in this moment of lockdown people are finding themselves relearning old skills picking up hobbies that they might have put to one side getting back in touch with friends that they might not have spoken to in a while and i, I know it's had a a dramatic effect on people's social life and mental health and, and various other aspects but i do feel positive in the elements of the lockdown will have helped people find and discover things that they may not necessarily have discovered before. I know that had my wife not started going on active walks in the local area for her daily exercise, we wouldn't have discovered various beautiful spots that were right on our doorstep that, you know, we would have just driven past or or walked past in favor of like a, a country manner or something like that so uh, i think there are positives and negatives to every situation i just feel that the the element of the news cycle in the media kind of puts the onus on a dissenting force whereas if people focus in on what they love and what they can do in the situations where they're with people and locked down i think that eventually they will find creative and fun outlets for uh, their frustrations and and they may actually carry those forward with them for the rest of their lives and that's for me that's a positive that's crazy to think because when you said that the human species as a whole is adaptable i was very shocked to hear that because i'm like some people are not adaptable so that's why i was like really shocked but yeah as you said with things picking up new hobbies seeing things that you haven't seen before i think that's really the benefit of a lockdown is people discovering themselves while still being at home because i know some people who are extroverts and had to be introverts for the lockdown and they somehow loved being an introvert and it caused them to switch over and now they prefer to stay inside which is crazy to think like it's like really crazy but the government hasn't really cleared out what exactly is in this new second lockdown because there are many sectors that are being affected by this, but 
such as like obviously non-essential shops they're being affected because they're not getting their sales through unless you order online and uh, customer engagement goes down as well at the same time and yeah and so I think that like the second lockdown on like vulnerable people has been a like it's been beneficial to protect you and to protect other people but at the same time it's your mental health at the end of the day that's why I advocate a mental health during lockdown it doesn't go really well because you're staying in the same area in the house or you just walk you just have a walk maybe to the same places each day and to get your daily exercise and so the government hasn't really thought through what's going to happen with mental health especially on like young people as well so it's just something that people just have to overcome because it's happening now you can't change that so absolutely I think to a certain extent, and and this is something that certainly happens a lot in the UK, if you look back at our recent history, kind of from Thatcher's reign in government onwards, we've been a very reactionary country in terms of the way we approach crises. Throughout our history, human beings have adapted well. And like I said before, it's actually one of the reasons we are the dominant species on the planet is because we are very adaptable at um, changes in our environment and our nature and things that we can't influence. So obviously that will come into play. But um, I think the problem is, is that the government may have underestimated. There's this rosy picture of people as a, a kind of stiff upper lip can just get on and do and and you know there is elements of that still in the british nature but people are waking up to the fact that there are elements of the society they're living in that aren't currently fit for purpose and certainly for a a global pandemic like this it's certainly laid bare the issues that need to be addressed i mean the inequality with workers and and the fact that this is going to drive an even bigger wedge between the ultra rich and the poor Uh, Things like employment, the fact that people are on zero hour contracts still in various um, environments and they can't, you know, they've been left out on furlough and, you know, with no idea what they're going to do for the rest of the time. So there will be changes that come in after this. Um, A lot of things happen Uh, in the Middle Ages when the plague, uh, the Black Death was wiping out most of Europe, uh, up to 50% of the population, big changes happened in societal structures as a result of it. And one of them was an empowerment of people who used to be what, what were called serfs. So they were tied to a plot of land that was owned by a landowner. But of course, you know, that was no longer the case because there were so few people left alive. They had power to say, well, actually, you have to pay me more now because I'm valuable. I'm an asset. And because they could earn more, they had more influence in society. So you will find after this a number of things, certainly in this country, will change. I don't know whether it will be the changing of the way money works or whether it will be what people look for in jobs, in in housing because obviously it's funny I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about housing and the old thing used to be people would look at oh does it have a wonderful kitchen and possibly like a kitchen diner that's been extended and always that great and does it have ensuite this now I think more and more people are going to look at this and think well this is the first global pandemic we've had but there might be more so I'm probably going to have to work from home from now on so does the house I'm trying to buy is is it going to have an office 
is it going to have space I can put an office in? So I think we will see certain changes, whether they're deliberately enacted by the government of the day or not. I think there certainly will be readjustments because people realize that actually we're far more vulnerable than we were as a nation before this. And it's going to lead to certain changes in our democratic capitalist society that we may not have seen coming had there not been something like COVID-19. Yeah, it's crazy to think because obviously with the whole changes and like now that a pandemic happened, it can permanently affect people. Like you say, if you're looking to buy a house, would it have an office in it because you might want to stay at home or work from home? Some people already do work from home, so they already have that consideration. But for people who moved from the office to, to working from home and the pandemic really does have a permanent like place in it because obviously everything has moved online. People are now getting used to being online and it could be a change in society where everything is like digitalized and be put online for example like the education system will go online what will go online any services are, are going to be online like even like shopping could go online like you have like obviously click, click and collect you have deliveries you have takeaways it could it could the the pandemic could i mean for once and for all it might be the the final nail in high street shopping I mean, this could be pretty much the end for high street shops as we knew them before. They may have to pivot into being luxury or interesting experiences as opposed to someone goes in, picks up a shirt or whatever it might be and takes it to the counter. Now to draw people in, they might have to be more all-encompassing as an experience because why would you bother when you can stay at home and order it from a number of online retailers? That's crazy, yeah. I really do agree. So my next question for you is, what do you think about people not being concerned about the COVID-19 pandemic or they decided not to follow the rules of lockdown? What do you think of those people, like, opposed to you who choosing to, to shield and being a vulnerable person? Do you think that they're being inconsiderable or not? I think, again, a lot of the negativity around people's behaviour in lockdown and like, oh, these parties or this illegal rave or this gathering or this person going to Barnard Castle, whatever it might be. It's, it's all very specific because ultimately, and again, I have to go back to human nature, human beings on a whole don't like being told what to do by a centralized power figure or structure. You know, if, if, if you tell 10 people that they have to eat this for dinner, and they have no choice. You're going to get one or two of them who might say, "Well, I'm just not going to eat then." You know, so you have to take into account that human nature will always be against the perspective of this is good for everyone because you're always going to have individuals who don't really either don't care or don't believe the information. So it's less to do with conspiracy theories and kind of the technology age and more to do with human nature. People just don't like being told what to do. So instead of getting angry 
or frustrated with the people who don't respond to the needs of a far greater populace than just you know their immediate friends and family. You again, you have to focus on you and the people you love and try and make sure that they're doing the best they can. Look after them. Look after their physical health, their mental health. Try and make sure that you're safe, and and that's really all that you can hope for. And just help the people that you can, and try not to worry too much about the people that you really can't affect, because really all you're doing is screaming into the wind at this point. And also, another thing I should point out, human beings have this incredible capacity, no matter what they see, what's going on around them, to believe that they're indestructible. There's something in some people who think, it'll never happen to me, I'll be fine. But it does regularly happen to everyone. So the idea that it won't happen to you, or that you can get away with it, or that, you know, it's, it's nothing, I'm just skirting the edges of the rules. It's like, you are playing with death, and potential life-changing illnesses and side effects. And as much as I would encourage people to look after themselves, and to try and follow the guidelines, I'm not naive enough to think that every single person who sees government guidelines, or even everyone who listens to this podcast will be immediately accepting of that advice, because it's right in human nature to question things. And I understand that. But instead of getting frustrated with that, I think the most important thing is to focus on who you are, what you do, and the things you can affect in your immediate environment. And I think if you do that, you will find elements of your mental health in this lockdown being far more improved than if you doom scroll through terrible news headlines or just watch media outlets pouring out bile after bile. Yeah, it's literally like people cannot be considerable because people are nowadays being selfish. Obviously, when the first lockdown was announced, obviously people were panic buying because they didn't know if they wanted to go to shops or whatever and just want to stay inside. People are just being selfish these days, like especially to protect yourself, but they're not considering like the elderly vulnerable people who are most susceptible of the virus and they could eventually be unwell and people just need to consider that sometimes i know that some healthy people can get extremely ill with this virus but majority are not so they have to consider the elderly vulnerable people first before looking after themselves and yeah so i completely agree with, with what you're saying there for sure and yeah, so my next question is, um, we kind of talked about this before, but do you think that the pandemic, the once the pandemic is over, will society be safe to carry on with your normal life? I know you already spoke about this with maybe just working from home from now on. So do you think it would or do you think that we will have to do like maybe be half doing it online, half in person, maybe. Well, I certainly think the world's going to change as a result of this, as as it always does with massive upheavals like this. You know, it's it's funny, you look at people like my generation, I'm, I'm pushing 40 now and people slightly younger than me and maybe slightly older than me, we've never really faced, other than maybe 9-11, we've never really faced a kind of truly world and life-changing events that impacts a lot of people in different ways. I look at my grandmother, 
who is she's coming up to 90. She was born into the depression when, you know, work, money, life was so much harder. She when she was a young girl, she survived the blitz on Manchester in the Second World War. She stayed in Manchester, so there were bombs dropping all around her. She was there at the advent and invention of the NHS and she worked as a nurse in the early days of that and saw the changes that um penicillin brought to people's lives and um she's lived through all these massive upheavals as well as having a family and her perspective on that she doesn't typically typically like to talk about them but her point of reference is so much higher than everybody else's that things like this don't really affect her her first thought was oh i'm gonna have to get some flour in so that i can start baking again because she's used to it you know she was in rationing during the second world war so her idea of normal it's slightly different to you or I. I mean, again, because I have Crohn's disease, I have, a, again, a different starting point to other people. But I definitely think life will change. I think the way people approach work will change. The idea that you have to be in the office from nine to five, day in, day out, those days are pretty much gone now. I mean, they've been in flux ever since people like Google and Facebook and all the big tech companies started encouraging employees to kind of work flexi hours and come in whenever they wanted and stay however as long as they needed to and provided food on site and uh, leisure activities and things like that. I think the idea of a nine to five working puritanical approach to life has gone you know people will start to work from home they might come into the office they might work uh, reduced hours that will change um, as far as the health of things go it really depends on what's happening with the treatment for COVID-19. I know there are a couple of therapies that are uh, in process at the moment, one over in America and Oxford University are working on one as well. And as far as I know, they're all in, they're both in the final stages of human trials. So that means that, you know, we're, we're probably seven to eight months away from a, a, some sort of vaccine being rolled out. The question becomes, will it be a vaccine that completely wipes out the virus, or will it be a vaccine that reduces the danger level of the virus to the point of being just a bit of a nasty cold? So you get COVID-19, you just take a couple of days off because you've got a cold, uh, but it doesn't affect everyone because everyone's had the same vaccine and it just means they'll feel a bit rubbish for a couple of days. It will stop people from dying, but it won't kill out the virus. So that's the question we've got to ask is, if it wipes out the virus, great, we can just go back to exactly how we were before. Do we want to, though? That's got to be the next thing we ask. Do we really want to go back to the way things were before this, with the working uh, things we had, with the way society was going? You know, now is the opportunity to make changes so that not only if this happens again in the future, are we more prepared to handle it and deal with it? The infrastructure of um, working from home and people delivering things and uh, you know, businesses being more robust in their ability to handle a major inc- economic impact, but also um, just the way people are in themselves, I think will change as a result of that. And I think, again, this is another taking positives from a terrible thing. We just, we have adapted to a new way of life. And I, I don't like the phrase, the new normal and people rejecting it, but there's no such thing as a new normal because normal is always changing and always adapting. So I think going forward, forwards we will see changes and uh, the idea of normal it's pretty much gone now but then again it was always going to be gone yeah like i know that my my friend spoke to me about the whole covid-19 vaccine and he was saying that if it was it would be developed very soon as you said it's in the final trials 
we should give the vaccines to like elderly people or vulnerable people first so they can overcome it and maybe become less susceptible or even immune to the disease and then we will give it out to the general public i think that will be a more tactical approach to it because we have to tackle those who are more susceptible to the virus like i know some mainly like normal people who doesn't have any conditions they could overcome this easily but i know there's some who could uh, who might be healthy but they eventually get really unwell with the virus they can be given the vaccines too but i think if a vaccine will be developed very soon i think the approach has to be like that and yeah so we're gonna finish wrap this up a bit so what advice would you give to anyone with Crohn's disease going through this lockdown? I, it's funny. I don't think I need to give advice to anyone with Crohn's disease because as Crohn's people, we just we kind of just get on with stuff, to be honest. We adapt very quickly. I would give a, more advice to people who are struggling. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone with a chronic long-term condition. I'm just talking to the person out there that might be feeling down, that might be really worried, that might be stressed, that might be sick of lockdown and all of the changes and worried about their finances and their family and stuff. And the, I know it's very difficult at the moment. We are in completely, and it's been used before, completely unprecedented times. But we're always going to be in unprecedented times as a species. There are always going to be things that knock us off our path, off our track in life, off away from our goals, what we thought life was going to be. The most important thing, I, advice I can give to anyone in any situation is have a plan B and a plan C so that if something goes terribly wrong in your life, you've got some other option or at least two other options. I always have plans B's and C's because if I'm out in public and I start to feel my Crohn's disease acting up, I've probably looked at a map in advance and I found the nearest bathroom. So things like that, that's my plan B. So my advice to people would be spend less time thinking about what is happening at the moment and the negative effects and look at what you want to do with your life. Use this time for yourself to make yourself feel better to enrich your life and to do whatever you can to cope with day-to-day -day living and the most important thing is stay calm and try and make yourself as happy as possible that's great advice so thank you Lev, for that advice especially given to people who are definitely struggling so yeah thank you so much for coming on and no worries. And yes, yeah, so if you want to listen to more episodes like this, make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also now we actually launched a new podcast for movement, fitness and nutrition called the Our Right Podcast, which Lev is also going to be in. So that's great. And yes, yeah, so see you guys later. Bye. Thank you everyone for watching today's episode. If you liked it, put a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and make sure you subscribe and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear feedback from you so make sure you do that. Also, spread the word about the Aware panel because this is such a platform where people could just talk about anything and we would encourage everyone who listens to this podcast to be listening to us. See you guys later. Bye.